This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Big welcome to you out there if you're tuning in for the first time, or indeed, welcome back if you're a regular listener of our our little podcast that we like to do. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Thomas, big, big show coming up this week. Big, big show, two bigs. Great Britain is in the midst of a petrol crisis, and not the good kind, We'll find out what's going on there. What's a if your <laughs> if your wallet or your purse feels a little heavy right now, don't worry, you're not alone because apparently Aussies are flush with cash. We'll find out why a bit later. And Daddy Mac P ain't raising the roof; he's raising the floor rates. Oh, sorry, I was I was trying to get people hyped about talking about macro prudential regulation. So uh, we're going to be talking. <laughs> It is important. It is important. I'm hyped. I'm pumped. Uh, We're going to find out why the CBA chief thinks that we need action. And if you could copy the trades of any investor in the world, who would it be? Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, that guy from TikTok. What about politicians? We'll look at how it might work out if you could and did copy the trades of politicians. But Thomas, before we get started, I thought we'd better just check in with our favourite Chinese property developer, Evergrande. Mm. We spoke about it last week and you said the whole world was going to cave in on itself. Mm. I couldn't help but notice we're still here. What happened? Uh, Nobody knows. This is a short answer to that question. So just to quickly recap, Evergrande had some interest payments due on Wednesday or Thursday, our time, uh, and they didn't make them or maybe they did. So yeah, they thought they thought they were going to go. To, they were going to default, um, and that yep. was going to spark a whole bit of financial contagion as a potential threat. So that day came and went. There were some reports that they had made their payment and everything was okay. Mm. There were also reports that they had missed their payment. So we're not sure about that. It's not totally clear. Mm. Um, and then there were reports that the Chinese government was going to come in and bail them out. And then there were other reports that said the Chinese government was actually not going to come in and bail them out. <laughs> And then markets responded positively, either <laughs> of course they yeah, did. Either because they'd made their payments and everything looked okay, or they were so broke now that the government had to step in and bail them out. Right. So one of those narratives might be true. Either way, <laughs> markets were solid. They, they, got, they right. got the jitters midweek and then sort of 
by Friday and today they're they're back on track. It seems, mm. but it's, uh, it's still it's still who knows. Like when once they default, once they miss that interest payment, they're in default for thirty days before they're like insolvent, I think, or whatever the technical definition is. Right. So there's still there's still a window where this stuff can sort of. It's still got to figure itself out. They, they might be off talking to like a loan shark at the moment, just like <laughs> just hocking some jewelry just, and stuff, discussing terms of like forty percent interest with a a guy who works out of a shed mm. down by the docks. Mm. <laughs> right. Oh, well, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it. That's for sure. Mm. It did. I mean, people were saying it had the potential to be massive. So um, yeah, everyone everyone's eyes are still on it, but it's not it's mm. not clear how it's playing out just yet. Mm. Mm. Unusual not to get that real crystal clarity out of state-sponsored uh, mm. Chinese corporations, isn't it? <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're known for their transparency and <laughs> integrity of data. It's one of the things they're famous yeah. for. Yeah. This, this is really – something's really odd here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move on to an actual crisis that's unfolding, mm. uh, and that is in Great Britain. People mm. are queued up for miles and miles around to get petrol. What's going on there? Yeah, almost half of all the petrol stations ran dry on the weekend in really? the UK. Yeah, massive. It's huge. Yeah, so there's yeah queues. There's, it, it turned into a, seemed like a bit of a petrol run. And then so the UK media is saying that Boris Johnson's looking into getting the soldiers involved, getting the army to deliver the petrol. The business secretary, mm-hmm. Kwasi Kwarteng, pretty sure I nailed that, said he'd suspended <laughs> oil industry competition laws to enable the petrol companies to talk to each other. So normally they're not allowed to talk about what's going on mm. in case they collude on the price. But he's saying, no, nah, you're allowed to talk to each other now because it's gone, all gone a bit wobbly. Not just a, mis- not just a misprint on a shopper docket or something, was it, where they're like... <laughs> Like ninety cents a liter off because you know what people oh, yeah. are like when when there's like eight cents a liter off. That was like near you, but right here, people clamoring over themselves to get get ten cents a liter off their petrol with their. It's probably not a shopper docket anymore. What, they, what is it? Like a Woolies card or something? But yeah, yeah. So I don't, the, the head of the, the head of the uh, petrol association in the UK came out and said it was just panic buying. That, that like it was. There was some seeds of truth that they, there was a bit of a, a shortage of truckers and so they weren't able to distribute the fuel as smoothly as they normally would. That mm. led into some panic buying and a bit of a run on the petrol yeah. stations and that sort of... A la toilet paper March 2020. Yes, yes, the great toilet paper rush of 2020, that's right. <laughs> so apparently it's, it all comes down to the truckers. So there's 100,000 vacancies for in the trucking industry right now. And there's a shortage of truckies because the COVID pandemic meant that 40,000 driving tests were meant to happen and mm. never happened. So there's a whole lot that sort of blocked the flow of new drivers coming in. Right. 20,000 European drivers left Britain, like because of Brexit and other business. Mm. And then in the past 18 months, 50,000 have retired or just quit. Wow. Yeah. So a huge shortage of truckies. That's that's massive. Yeah, massive. So they so they can't so they these big petrol tankers can't get around the country and and distribute the fuel. Mm. So, but that I mean, but that's not that must not be be just a uh, fuel story like it like everything's nah you, you know truckies are in everything. So, yeah, I think and that's where it gets interesting because you're now looking at sort of it's not just a isolated supply shock kind of thing. Like if there's a genuine shortage of truckies, then that's going to get into the price of everything because you know so much is distributed by road that price of all goods are going to go up and that's going to give us inflation so i mean we know we're getting the uk is getting inflation anyway 
And so the question is whether it's temporary or permanent. But if once you get like a broad-based supply shock, like an increase in petrol prices alone, because you know, that's in so much, but then, you know, trucky wages, that gets into everything as well. Mm. Then you're looking at a pretty broad-based increase in prices. And probably the, the one thing we're sort of looking at, so the, the big question in markets right now, so we're seeing inflation pick up across the developed world. The big question is whether it's temporary or permanent. The Fed in the US is still still holding the line that it's temporary inflation and that it's not going to become permanent inflation. But one of the one of the key mechanisms for, for a temporary shock becoming a permanent shock is that it gets into a wage price spiral. So people mm. see prices go up and they say, well, I need higher wages because the price of everything's going up and so their wages go up. Then that pushes the cost of inputs into all uh, you know, goods go up. So that creates more inflation, which then creates more wage pressures, which creates more inflation. You go round and round, you get that kind of wage price spiral. Um, and then you then you get a permanent increase in inflation. And that's when the central banks step in and have to hike rates in order to, to bring prices back down. Right. And imagine with 100,000 job vacancies in the, in the trucking industry, they're obviously going to be you know, the, the wages of truckers, you could you could argue, is going to go up, right? Because you have to think so. they're going to say, well, well, you know, you can't hire anyone else. Mm. I wouldn't mind a pay rise. You'd ha- yeah, you'd have to think so. You'd have to think so. And then that, as you say, that then pushes the price of getting all the goods everywhere. So then mm. the trucking companies have to wear that. And then that's like at the heart of the economy, isn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, exactly. And not, not only that, you've got an energy crisis in the UK as well. So not just the um, petrol prices, but gas prices have gone up sixfold in the past like few months. Right. And as nuclear power plants are running suboptimally and the electricity supply cable from France is out of order. Is France still having a tantrum though? Oh, I that... think they are, yeah. <laughs> Did Macron just cut the cable? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's like, hey, Boris, suck it. (laughs) Build my subs. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe a submarine went through it. I don't know, Boris. You work it out. (laughs) So so it's it's an interesting case because we'll see with the UK is a bit of a bellwether for the rest of the developed world. Um, We had Norway raised interest rates this week. So they're the first major economy to do that, starting to normalise rates from the record lows we saw post-COVID. So... UK might not be far behind them. We'll have to have to see. All right, very good. Well, CBA this week uh, they had some put some data out, didn't they? That said that uh, Aussies are saving more now during COVID than they ever have, or at least in a long time. Yeah, yeah. So to, one of the things that's come out of COVID is CBA started releasing this data from their internal accounts. So they start they can track money coming into their savings accounts of their customers and money going out and. They're using that to sort of report on sort of these aggregate trends, but, it, but it's really timely data. This sort of, it's like a, up to the minute, which is something that the ABS struggles to do because they've got a, the survey lags and all of that sort of business. So it's quite interesting data to sort of to clock. Mm. Yeah, but they're saying that, that the wages have fallen, as you'd expect with lockdown. 50% of the economy is in lockdown with New South Wales and Victoria. Their data shows that wages in New South Wales are down 8%. Victorian wages are down 5%, but they expect that to get Get, for, get close to that 8% in New South Wales. So big falls in wages in those two states. Mm. Yet that's been more than offset by government support payments and government support payments are, are booming. And, and as a result, total income, which is wages plus government support payments, total income is actually up in New South Wales and Victoria and, and across the country. Right. So people are getting paid less, but they're, they're bringing in more money. Yeah. 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 Less wages work, but they're up overall, it seems to be what it's saying. 
Mm. Yeah, at least in the aggregate, that's true. Because I'm sure there'd be people listening now going, I'm not, definitely not getting more money right mm. now. Mm. You know, like, I, you, yeah, people doing it tough. So, right, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing that, because they've also got a, they're tracking spending as well. And so basically income has gone, has stayed on trend. So income has been trending up over the past 10, 20 years. And we haven't seen that a break in that trend because government support payments have offset the fall in wages. So that trend's hold. But spending since COVID is pretty much flatlined and and hasn't hasn't increased. And um, because the, the economy's locked down, so it's hard to get out and spend stuff. Like I know I know for myself, like we're we're still in lockdown here. You know, there's the coffees that I would normally get, lunches, all that sort of stuff. Which is, it's just not we're not spending it. So our, our spending's way down. We're not. We're, we're, you haven't discovered online shopping. Like, geez, we've got boxes arriving. If the truckies ever go on strike here, I will be directly affected. Uh, yeah, but but in aggregate, that's that's true. And so savings is up. And so savings, hey, saying that the CBA is saying now accumulated savings to reach two hundred and thirty billion. It's an average of eleven thousand two hundred dollars per person over the age of sixteen. Right. Yeah, they're calling it an almighty war chest of savings. Feel happy to be a part of it. So what's going to happen with all this money that we've got? Oh, this is the $230 billion question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people think it's going to go back into the economy, get some sort of rebound in retail spending because they've got all this money that, that households are sitting on. It might go into financial assets, quite, you know, becomes a deposit on a house or it goes into the share market. Or crypto, who knows? So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a re- it's a really interesting question. Or, or they might just households might just go. We're just kind of happy ha- hanging on to the savings because it's such an uncertain economy and environment right now. Yeah, but I mean, but the the interest rates are very mm. low. So that that was always my understanding was cash at the moment was a bad thing to have. Not bad, you know. It's never bad. If, if anyone wants to give me more cash, I will gladly accept. But in a low interest environment cash is not really working for you so the the thinking was you should try and invest it in something obviously you take that risk if you do but but at least then it's kind of it's not just sitting around it's working for you so yeah maybe i mean i expect so but i guess you, you, you like if you're going to go into the share market you need to be pretty confident if you, if you think that's your emergency fund like you know if, mm. if that's what's going on if households are going oh, we just need 230 billion as an emergency fund just in case the economy actually does collapse um, if that's for the reason you're holding it, you're not going to stick your emergency fund in the share market because your emergency probably involves a share market collapse, I'm, I'm guessing. Best keep it safely in crypto. Yeah. Just just hold all <laughs> that Bitcoin. <laughs> right. I mean, I've met, I reckon like surely a lot of people, are, like travel is going to be the big winner for me. We're seeing, we're seeing that in the US. Like when, when the US started opening up, travel, was, travel came back very quickly. Yeah, it'd have to. People have been locked up, you know. Mm. Like for ages, and if you've got if you've been locked up for ages, and then you come out of lockup with tons of cash, then you're going to spend it on getting out of the, you know, if you've been locked in a box, getting out of the box as far away as you yeah. can. Probably the best analogy would be like flying fly out workers. You know, like they're stuck in the mm. mines for weeks at a time, racking up mm. cash, then they get let loose, and it's just it's yeah. off. <laughs> like a couple of mates. <laughs> FIFO workers and it's just when they get out it's on like donkey yeah, Kong. Yeah. They're, they're just i wouldn't say investing but certainly spending yeah that's for sure good chance of that i reckon mm. 
All right, very good. Why don't we take a quick break here? We'll get a word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist after this. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget you can send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. CVE at equitymates.com or head over to the website equitymates.com forward slash CVE. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcast. Thomas, macro prudential. Mm, mm. Two words that I'm sure stir the loins <laughs> of every listener out there. <laughs> what is it? Why do we care? Yeah, so, so macroprudential is trying to control the uh, the banking system with sort of the big macro level uh, regulation rather than rather than interest rates. And yeah, so we had this in 2016. APRA came out and said, "Oh, we're looking a little risky. We're not happy with how much uh, money is going to property investors. We're not happy with how much is going to people with interest only." loans we think those sectors are growing too quickly and that's creating a stability risk um, and so we're going to introduce a bunch of restric- restrictions on the banks sort of metrics that they have to hit to try and cool those markets right. and those measures knocked about 10 percent off house prices at the time in 2000 between 2016 and 18 and so there's talk there's talk that it sort of could be on the cards again house prices are obviously like on a tear away yeah, so, so there's rumours that that it might be might might be on the cards, but then Matt Common, the head of uh, CBA, he went. He was at the House of Representatives Economics Committee on the hearing on the Big Four. That's a committee I know you follow very closely. Oh, I love it! Love it. Tune in every week. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he he came out and, and sort of surprised people, saying he thinks that we should that the bank should take modest steps sooner rather than later to take some heat out of the housing market. If we look at the simple numbers and the relative growth rates of housing over the last 12 months, I'm not concerned about the period just gone, but in terms of increasing housing debt and increasing house prices, we are increasingly concerned. So is he talking to the other banks then when he's saying that, or is he suggesting the RBA needs to do well, something about yeah, it? Yeah, no, he's saying, he's saying that to the other banks. So he's saying that he has upped his uh, the, the CBA's floor rate, you mentioned in the intro, the benchmark floor rate to mm. 5.25%. They've, they've nudged that up from 5.1%. So if you go for a mortgage and they, and they assess your serviceability, you know, can, can you afford to pay this loan back? Can you afford to meet the interest payments? They don't use the interest payments you're going to get. They use 5.25% because I think like, well, interest rates could increase to that over the next few years and you still need to be able to afford that. So between 5.25% and the current interest rate, which is somewhere in the twos, you've got a buffer 
which protects borrowers. It protects everyone, presumably, borrowers and, and the banks, you know. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right, that's right. They don't want people defaulting on their loans, presumably. It's no good for them. Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, yeah, so he's saying he's saying CBA have increased their floor rate. He's saying the other banks should do that too. But the reason he's saying that is is that they prefer an increase in the floor rate to some of the other measures that, that came in with that, like with macro prudential. So, like one of them was loan to valuation ratios. So putting mm. limits on the banks of how many loans they could dish out at certain LVRs, so like loans with lower deposits. So making sure borrowers, effectively making sure borrowers had higher deposits. Right. So you have a few and, and, and different measures like that. And I think he's saying like it's much easier for us to still do our business and do our thing with a higher floor rate than it is to have restrictions on the other stuff. So he's trying to get ahead of the curve there. Is that what New Zealand did? Did they did they increase their LVR? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a few a few limits like that. Yeah, but yeah, they they went down the macro prudential road a few few months ago. Is it too early to learn any lessons from New Zealand? Uh, it didn't seem to work. Funnily enough, it didn't like it. Sort of, it did sort of seem to stabilize house prices, but didn't sort of take to maybe took some of the heat out, but not as much as I think most people were expecting. So that that was kind of interesting, right. and maybe because because interest rates are so low, and like, I think like a, like a, Aussies, they're probably sitting on a fair bit of cash. That those things all just kept house prices going higher. The other interesting thing out out this week, which we saw, was UBS, the investment bank UBS, have an evidence lab, and they go they regularly go and survey nine hundred Australians who took out a mortgage in the last year to see what they did, and what they found is like they actually asked people. Was your mortgage application factually accurate? Yes or no? <laughs> you want to have a guess at how many were not factually accurate? <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here because if they answered no on the survey or yes, like how would you, like if they're lying? If they lied on their application, oh. what's to say they're not lying on their survey? Well, I don't think we can trust anything that comes out of the survey. Oh, so I'm going to say it was quite high. I'm going to say that the people, for some reason, the, the people that lied on their application for some reason had this epiphany and decided they were going to answer honestly on the survey from UBS. Um, I don't know. What, like 50%? Uh, 41%. Wow. It's very high, very high. I mean, what, even even if that affects in, in place, there's still signal in the direction of the change as long as the survey hasn't changed. So it's up from 27% in 2015. So what are they saying? People, people like they gave false information about yeah, well, their financial position or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the overstatement of income. So 30% of people overstated their income by 25 to 34% in that bracket. That's right. 30%. This reminds me of the time that we met with a mortgage broker yeah, and my wife Anna was ha- was wearing a puffer jacket in like spring <laughs> because because um, we didn't want the mortgage broker to know that she was pregnant because we wanted to include <laughs> her income in all calculations, and we didn't want anyone to have any reason to think that we wouldn't both be fully employed. <laughs> <laughs> So it was about six months later that she stopped working for about four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, so if UBS would have asked you, would you, what, would, what, would, what would you have said? Oh, I think, well, it was a point in time thing. So at the time they said, and this is the thing, right? They, always, they just want to, they want to check your employment history and they, they get a statement from your, you can get a statement from your, your employer saying that, 
uh, up until now, I'm, I, I do work at this place and I'm employed and I have this salary. But as we know, Thomas, past performance is mm. not a reliable indicator yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of future performance. So, yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't lie. We just, we just did, didn't mention <laughs> that Anna was pregnant at the time and that was about to take a fairly significant <laughs> amount of time off. <laughs> to pursue a hip-hop career. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, I mean, if that's true, and I don't know how closely mm. APRA is watching this data, but that seems to be a you know fairly material decline in lending standards. That might be enough to worry APRA. That might right. be enough to sort of get them thinking they need to introduce the macro credentials. So I think Matt Commons ahead of the curve here, or he's trying to stay ahead of the curve and saying, "Oh look, look, it's all right. Don't don't pull the trigger on macro prudential. We're we've got we're increasing our rates. We're trying to keep a steady right. hand on it all." I think that's what I think's going on. I guess that way he and, and the banks they they can. They can stay in charge of it, so to speak. You know, they stay; they're controlling yeah, yeah. what happens. Whereas, if if the RBA take it on or, or APRA, then th- that's out of their hands. Then it's like, well, you'll just get what you're given, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Look, a lot of people would be familiar with the concept of copy trading. So, some platforms in Australia offer the ability to take uh, a, an investor, uh, someone who presumably you think is doing better than you are, or you think will do better than you will. Uh, and then just kind of copy their trades. But in America, there's a new platform that allows you to copy politicians' trades. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we learned this week. Or, yeah, there's, there's a, yeah, a few things actually. So it's CEO watch list or like, yeah, Iris is a company this guy's founded. So basically, basically what happened is there's this law in the US called the Stock Act that requires lawmakers to disclose stock trades for that they've made or their spouses made within 45 days. Right. So this guy set up a, com- a company called Iris that tracks that and then sends you a ping notif- push notification every time um, there's one of those uh, lawmakers that you follow has disclosed a stock trade and then you can decide if you want to follow them into that trade or not. Um, yeah, and apparently there's a bit of a, there's a, burgeoning community of people following it they're following um house speaker nancy pelosi right yeah saying that she's, she's a treasure trove she says it's uh, shout outs to nancy pelosi the stock market's biggest whale <laughs> <laughs> i think i think i think they meant that as a compliment what's the implication here that she's got the inside scoop that's that's what they're saying yeah that's what they're saying it's the, it's the smart money that 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 yeah, that the politicians have the inside running on some information that's that's potentially useful and is and they're using that information to kind of a form of insider trading so it's, a, it's quite a cynical mm. kind of philosophy i mean it's interesting there were some studies in 2013 and 14 that followed this the trades of uh lawmakers in the u.s right. uh, and found that they didn't they didn't outperform the market right so on average it doesn't seem to do that but then there was a case npr reported a case last year with the senate intelligence committee chairman richard burr um, he private. This is in February, so this is before COVID really broke. He privately warned a small group of his constituents that, that the pandemic was coming. This is the chairman. Small group of his mates. <laughs> <laughs> private small group of his constituents. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. So he told them the pandemic was coming, and then went and sold a hundred one point seven two million dollars of his own personal stocks on a single day in February. Wow. Yeah, so th- so this is the Senate Intelligence Committee chairman, right? So he's obviously got a sense of what's coming and is like, okay, this is about to hit the fan. 
and he's bailed on it. So I'm guessing as a, as a as a long run strategy, it's probably you're not going to outperform the market just by copy trading Nancy Pelosi. Mm. But there might be signal in 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 particular circumstances like a pandemic or something like that, where following the intelligence committee chairman's trades could be very useful. Though forty five days would have put you well into the crash, so probably too late. Mm. But and you'd need one point seven million dollars to sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to be already invested, but no, but I could see that Nancy Pelosi should be all over. She, she she seems to pop up. I don't really understand what she actually does, um, and I don't pay enough attention to the US probably either. But she seems to pop up all the time, like regardless of what story mm. and what side of politics um, there's a story about. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi's always there. She's always. Yeah, I mean, she's the House Speaker, so I think she's the the head of the Democrats, effectively. In in the apart from the President, she's the top Democrat. Right. Okay. So that, that's why you hear a lot from her. And she's a she's a bit of a traitor. Well, no, she's not. So it's it's her partner is her partner's like a I don't know what he does, but but it's 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 his trades that they're watching. She's she doesn't trade <laughs> anything at all. <laughs> that's a red flag already. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like Nancy's not trading herself. It's just her partner is is trading. That's just like not following. I don't know. Hansi Cronier's bets because he can't bet. Just you follow his corrupt Indian bookie instead. Yeah. Um, sounds pretty dodge. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you want to follow that. The other thing with with copy trading, I did a little bit. Like it's it's sort of a new phenomenon. So there's not a lot of data on it. But the Harvard Business Review did a study. And what they mm. found is sort of like you can either be like a total solo trader or you can run with the herd where they call with social trading and just do whatever the herd's doing. But the best performing strategy they found was a mix of both. So running running your own show but then also learning from the signals in the social the social hive mind effectively. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like this I get what you're saying. Yeah, take it up with take it up with the Harvard Business Review. Was, well, I did also, it just happened today that I read a reference to a study that was... Oh, you did your own research, did you? Yeah. There we go. Well, I'm very well read. I read an article today that referenced a study that talked about someone who threw darts at a board that contained stocks mm. and they outperformed the market. Yeah. And where I read that reference was an article that talked about a hamster. <laughs> 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 that was that was picking um, crypto, crypto stocks. Is up twenty four percent, and it's up twenty four percent. So I just don't want to lead people astray here. Like I think, yeah, you can say once you start saying, well, you can go your own way, or you can go with the herd, or you can do like a hybrid approach. <laughs> it all just sounds a lot like you're just having a bit each way and taking a punt and having a guess at what might what might do well without really any understanding. Mm-hmm. And you might do well. Mm-hmm. You might do well. What you really need to do is listen to a macro podcast, I think, about <laughs> the share market and trading. That's, wouldn't, wouldn't that be yeah, good? That's going to that's gonna put you ahead of the, the herd. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget, you uh, can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really love it if you did that. That helps us out. And, of course, there's lots of other great podcasts from Equity Mates Media to get your ears around Equity Mates Investing Podcast. Uh, get started investing. You're in good company. 
talk money to me. Lots going on. Uh, Thomas, that does us for this week. Thank you for your company. Mm, thank you. And we'll talk to you again next week. See you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.